As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. My name's Taylor Payne. This is your go-to Newcastle United podcast brought to you by The Athletic. And after 56 years of hurt, it's only bloody gone and come home, hasn't it? My God, England are European champions uh, at Wembley in front of 80-odd thousand people. Historic scenes. What a night. Chris Woff, how did it feel watching that? It was absolutely amazing, wasn't it? Oh, it was wonderful. Yeah, I had my... Uh sister and my dad were around and some of my family and we watched it uh and the living room was just yeah wonderful wonderful to see the scenes it just it was the the how genuine everyone was afterwards in terms of the excitement and you could just see the personalities and yeah absolutely wonderful and and the certainly the first goal was some goal as well the England goal what a what a cracking incredible incredible and as always we've got George Corkin here as well hello George good morning to you how are you doing? Did you enjoy that last night? How are the lasses? Yes, incredible. What, what, a, what, a, what a moment. What a moment it is. Yeah, what an achievement. Teaching the boys how to do it. Brilliant stuff. And uh, as a very special treat, we welcome back Charlotte Robson to the show from the True Faith podcast. Charlotte, how the hell are you? I'm really good, thank you, Taylor. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure, always a pleasure. Amazing scenes last night, wasn't it? Yeah, it was so good. Inspiring stuff. Yeah, so inspiring. Seeing all the little girls in the crowd, it just... It's so exciting. It was. Like Gabby Logan said, it's the beginning of something. It's only just started. Could be a catalyst for women's football across the country, couldn't it? And especially in the northeast as well. Uh, my favourite moment of the night uh, was Jill Scott spinning around yeah. and telling a German midfielder to fuck off, you fucking prick. Which the BBC then proceeded to show in HD slow motion straight afterwards. <laughs> Absolutely monumental stuff. Right then, this is our season preview. We've got lots to get through. We've got loads of different categories. We're going to crack on. We'll have a little chat about the friendlies at the weekend as well. Chris, the 
Bilbao and Atlanta games, tough tests for Newcastle. They came through it fairly unscathed. It was it was good watching uh, and a great way to prepare for the start of the season coming next week. Yeah, it was largely good watching. I have to be honest that 180 minutes of non-competitive football in the space of 24 hours was a lot to take in. The last half an hour of the second game, I was <laughs> struggling a little bit. And I am also furious that George has now taken my mantle of being at St. James's Park even earlier than me, very early on both days. As you can imagine, he was delighted with because he loves pre-season, he loves friendlies and he loves he being does. at St. James's early. I got the kickoff times wrong both times, so that was the only reason I was there early. But no, it was oh, a, but two two wins for Newcastle. I mean, in many ways, the, the result is sort of immaterial. It was more about the performances. And certainly, I think on the first day, you saw Eddie Howe put out what is largely likely to be is back five, whether Sven Botman gets in there ahead of Dan Byrne is a question, although I have a suspicion that Byrne might actually get the nod because when Botman first came in, that seemed to be the message from behind the scenes. It sort of changed a little bit, but then Eddie Howe over the last couple of weeks has praised Byrne in public and also spoken about him being his leader. So one of the the one of maybe three main contention well sort of decisions he has to make in terms of who gets into the start eleven. Then on the on the Saturday we saw the stronger front six. Probably four or five of that front six will play against Nottingham Forest. The difference that Callum Wilson makes when compared to Chris Wood, yes, he dispatches penalty very well on Friday night, but Wilson was excellent leading the line, certainly first half an hour, 45 minutes, took his goal very well. And Alan St. Maximan obviously in there as well. So uh, good for all of the players to get the best part of 90 minutes. That's what they needed ahead yeah. of the start of next season. And yeah, Eddie Howe seemed very happy with the, the quirk that was back-to-back pre-season friendlies at St. James's overnight. Charlotte, it was great to see fans back inside St. James's Park. Two nights running, over 80,000 people across the two games. Uh, flags everywhere and obviously rekindling that special relationship we have with Bill Bow as well. Lovely scenes. Yeah, it was lush. I missed the Bill Bow one, but I was at Atlanta on Friday night and it was just like... like being in the pub before for friendly like so many people around in their strips and so many people like buzzing for this game it just felt it feels so different in the city at the moment still and it it was just it was lovely lovely to see so many lots of kids there lots of kids running around with their flags when they got Brilliant. you know their sugar high of all their bottles of Fanta <laughs> but uh yeah it was it was really nice it was it was just I was so glad to be back in the stadium. And a couple of victories as well. Lovely stuff. Just what you want to see going into that Forest game. George, good scenes. Good start to the uh, to the, the pre-season. Well, good end to the pre-season, should I say. Sorry, and a, a good setup for going into the start of the Premier League season. Yeah, very good. I wasn't really there early because I wanted to be there for the matches. I hate pre-season. I hate friendlies. But um, but no, it was great. It was lovely to... We, we know this. You've I know, mentioned I know, this on I know, numerous I know. occasions already. It was lovely to see so many people there and you know, so so many young people. But I was there to write a piece. But I did chat to to some of the players afterwards for something I'm writing. And um, I wanted to speak to Matt Ritchie actually about that whole feeling of reconnection with the stadium between players and and fans. And I asked him about I asked him about that at the end. This is what he said. I've had some amazing times. I mean pe- people say that it was the it was the doom and gloom of Newcastle and uh, when we first got promoted, but I came here, um, the challenge for a lot of us. Um, obviously, football's football, and a few of the boys have moved on now. But I came here with the goal to get back in the Premier League and solidate. And um, in my eyes, that 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 mission was completed. And um, I'm uh, I'm really really uh, proud of the part I played in that. And I'm enjoying and 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 loving seeing. 
the new generation of, of what the manager's building and the optimism of everyone around the place. I think it's, uh, I think it's amazing, it's much deserved. And um, hopefully, I'm sure with, with the manager at the helm, with the ownership with, uh, being so ambitious and the people in the football club, it really is a special club and um, it, I, I can only see it going from strength to strength and it will take time, of course. Expectation needs to be managed. Uh, there's 19 other clubs in this, yeah, in yeah. this league trying to do the same thing as we are. But it's a challenge that everyone at this football club is relishing. And um, yeah, it's, a, it's a fantastic, positive football club to be involved in at the moment. Since I arrived at the club, my role personally has changed. I'm a realist, I understand that. When I came, I was 25, maybe turning 26, I'm now 32. My role has changed within the group, developed over time. It's something that I've really enjoyed. I've learned a lot along the way. Um, but I, I really enjoy I really, I really enjoy the involvement and, and as I say, the, to have played the part I've played, I feel proud. Yeah, yeah. Um, there were moments that it was hairy and, and it looked like maybe we got, we're back to square one and back to the drawing board, but we managed together, everyone together, pulling in the same direction. We managed to, uh, we managed to solidate and, and build and, as, you, as I said, all the, all the other bits and pieces around have fallen into place and now the optimism around the city, around the club is... Uh, it's fantastic and I believe the manager is uh, for sure the right man to, to, to take this club on to special, special things. Are you less, are you less angry these days when you say your role's changed? Um, no, I've still got it in there somewhere. <laughs> I think that I can channel it slightly, but I don't know about <laughs> the moments today in the game that um, possibly it boiled over, but that's my personality. I won't change and yeah. It's still there, isn't it? The rage is still pure. It's still within his heart. It's never going to go yeah, away. Yeah, it was a is completely it? unnecessary knocking the good in the back of that player <laughs> on the goalkeeper, and then starting a, a mini fracker on the middle of the pitch. Well, that's that's Matt Ritchie. That's Matt Ritchie. There's not there's no such thing as a friendly with Matt Ritchie. Start fighting an empty room, couldn't he? Anyway, let's crack on. Eh? We've got lots to get through. We've got a lot of different categories. Let's start off with something positive. And George, we'll go to you first. Reasons to be cheerful in the 2022-23 season. Well, everything really is the whole point. I mean, just just a reason to be cheerful is uh, is 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 the big thing for me. I mean, there are there are lots of sort of individual things that I can mention um, from you know from players having been signed to you know to the stadium being full and everyone looking forward to it. But it, it is just that sense of anticipation. I've got that lovely sense of wanting the season to start, and I can't remember the last time that I had that as a Newcastle fan. And so the reason to be cheerful is cheerfulness, as far as I'm concerned. It's not it's not anything sort of deeper or bigger than that. I want to be back in the stadium. I can't wait to find out what happens against Forest. I know the atmosphere is going to be incredible. And so it is just that general sense of happiness and um, anticipation and excitement about the season ahead. And the reason for cheerfulness is cheerfulness. Yeah, much the same. Reason to be cheerful, the season starts soon and we're going to absolutely boss it. So nice. that's my reason to be cheerful. I just can't wait for the city to be buzzing on a Saturday, every other Saturday. Again, it's going to be class. I have to say, this is one of the first summers I've actively missed football. I can't remember the last time that happened. I was sat the other day going, I can't wait for football. 
I can't wait for football to come back and be here every week. And, and I'm really, really looking forward to it. Uh, Chris, how about you? We need a reason to be yeah, cheerful. Yeah, I mean, I would go with the same as George and Charlotte, but I'm going to be slightly different and be my usual boring, geeky self and say that what I'm actually looking forward to is a season to see how Eddie Howe has, has, has imprinted his style onto this side in preseason, how that trans actually transmits into the season itself because he obviously came in and made a huge impact from November onwards but didn't have the huge training time he wanted he's spoken so much about pre-season and ideas and and that he didn't want to to put too many of those ideas to the players last season because it was too much information overload and, and when really it was just about survival and it was basic messages whereas this preseason has been very different he's he's trying to evolve the style they're not going to suddenly transform in the way that they're playing but you can already see uh, the way that both Pope and Dubravka were on Friday and Saturday is that they're always looking to go short the defenders come in even for goal kicks, the defenders are coming into the into the, the their own box, going short with that. They're always looking to play. That there's a high line defensively. They're pressing even more than they were last season. So I'm really cheerful in the sense that I am looking forward to seeing how Newcastle can evolve on the pitch going forward and actually hopefully have more possession than the opposition at times and actually be taking it to teams at St James's because their St James's record under Eddie Howe is already very good and hopefully that continues and only gets better. I mean, the thing is, there are actually quite a lot of specific things to be cheerful about, aren't there? I mean, that's, I mean, that is again the 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 sort of change of it, the difference. You know, Newcastle have signed some footballers during the transfer window. I mean, they've now done that for two transfer windows in a row, and perhaps we would like them to sign a few more or a couple more. But you know, that's astonishing in its own right. Suddenly, Newcastle have all these sensible, serious people in positions of power at St James's Park. Uh, Darren Eales was uh, certainly at the first game over the weekend, uh, the new CEO, and um, it's like, uh, it's sort of normal thing, it's normal stuff for other clubs perhaps, but for for us, for Newcastle, it's not, it's abnormal, all of those things. I'm not scared of relegation, I'm not, you know, I, I hope I'm not, I hope I'm not, you know, speaking too soon, but... I'm 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 not coming into a season having that sense of annoyance or irritation, yeah, um, or fear or even apathy about what's to come. That sense of um, doom doom when you kind of walk towards the stadium, that absolute you know horrible feeling in the pit of your stomach, yeah, that things are going to go wrong. Um, there's just so much to be optimistic about at this point, and so much to be happy about, and it's a lovely feeling to have to have that feeling that. Whatever happens on a Saturday or, you know, whenever the team play, things are going to be all right. Um, it is that sort of optimism for its own sake, which is very valuable. Taylor, who is this person and what have you done with George? I have no idea. I don't know who he is. Not a clue. <laughs> yeah, absolutely ridiculous. I, for, for me, I think one of the, one of the big things this year is... It's the first full season we're going to have had without Mike Ashley's grubby fingerprints all over the club. And to me, that is a massive thing. You know, we're going to start a season with uh, trust in the club for the first time in a long, long time, I think. You know, that the club have prepared right, that they've done everything within their power to to make sure they're ready for the start of the season. As a fan, you know, a a match-going fan, a, a fan who pays their money, you want to know that the club are doing everything they can and you want to know that they're not cutting corners and, and we're going to start the season in a position to be ready for it, you know? And it feels like that's what's happened this time and it feels like we're uh, we're heading in the right direction. So for me, just not having Mike Ashley around the place 
is, is a massive thing, and that is a, in itself a reason to be cheerful. Um, of course, it wouldn't be Newcastle United without us having some reasons to be fearful. Uh, and if you uh, go by some of the comments you see on social media these days, everyone's shitting themselves already, and we haven't done anything. So uh, reasons to be fearful. Charlotte, let's start with you. What should we be worried about this year? Well, in the immediate future, I think Nottingham Forest is actually going to be harder than I originally thought. They've made 12 signings this summer so far. Um, they are, uh, you know, coming at us, coming at this with a really positive mindset. They really want to make a, their sort of mark on the, on the Premier League. I was speaking to a Forest fan yesterday who, um, said that the season they got relegated in 1999, they actually won their last three games or something. So they're calling this their fourth successive win in the Premier League if they if they make it <laughs> just with a 22-year gap. Um, <laughs> Very good. So, you know, I, I really think we are not to underestimate Forrest on Saturday. So that I'm a little bit fearful of. Originally, I was like, oh, but Breeze, they're just a newly promoted side, but they are they're going for it. So your um, reason to be fearful is the fact that Newcastle have to play opposition. There, there are there, there is another team. Really- yes. <laughs> you know what? One. It hasn't even That's been a it. year since the takeover. I'm still in my old mindset. Um, <laughs> and then generally, yeah. sort of, you know, I, I think I think we've made some good signings. They've made tons. We've made some good signings, but I still I do worry about our attacking force. Yeah, George, this is Newcastle United, isn't it? And it will inevitably go wrong at some point, somewhere along the line. What have we got to be worried about? Yeah, it's it's funny that Charlotte says that about Forrest. I mean, I'll, I kind of look at that fixture and I just can't wait. I'm I'm like really in danger of building it up in my own head, I think. I but, you know, it's been years and years since they've been in the Premier League. You know, they'll bring they'll bring loads of people to St. James's. The St. James itself will just be absolutely... Uh, at boiling point, it's just really exciting. I'm kind of, I can't wait for that. I can't wait. So I don't, I don't fear that. Um, yeah, I suppose, I suppose it's difficult to put that sort of ingrained Newcastle feeling of pessimism to one side because what I want to do when the fixtures come out, what I want to do is look at that and think, oh god, that's difficult. Look at the next one. Oh, we won't win that. Look at the one after that. Well, we've lost that, and then you know we're in crisis. And I'm sort of trying not to do. I'm trying not to do that anymore. I mean, I think Charlotte's Charlotte's spot on. If there's a sort of teamy thing to be worried about, it is that concern that if Callum Wilson gets injured, Newcastle are very, very light up front. We saw a bit of that on the Friday night in the game when um, Chris Wood was playing up front. And, you know, I'm not ever, I will never, ever have a go at Chris Wood because he came in to do a job last season. Uh, he was part of the team that uh, that won all those matches in succession. But Newcastle do look pedestrian when he's playing up front. I mean, I think that's that's fair to say. Yeah. And then you know Wilson plays, and they look like a completely sort of different different proposition. So I would like them to get in uh, that other player, one or one or two, to just give them that bit of uh, depth. Yeah, I would like them to bring in that one or two players to just to just to give them those options because I think the rest of the team is actually pretty strong in depth. Um, you know there is that there is that strength there, so that would be my concern. But it's, I'm not fearful. I'm happy. I'm a happy person. This not this not right. This what's going on? It won't last. Truly, it won't last. No, can't possibly. Once the football starts, we'll see the old George again. Uh, Chris, reasons to be fearful for you this year? No sausage rolls in the uh, 
in the club, in the club canteen or the press box. Well, some <laughs> massive breaking news coming from St James's Park. So I'm, I am doing this piece about St James's Park, which should be out uh, with Chris, which should be out around the Forest game. But one of the uh, ex- w- one of the biggest transfers that Newcastle have made this summer, this close season, is the fact that they now have a relationship with Geordie Bangers. Yes, this is what they've needed. This is this is a dream. That's class. Didn't we? We talked about this ages ago. I know. And we said this is what you need. Yes. You need local businesses, yes. local people getting yes. their products into the into the stadium. This is what we talked about. And what a what better a product to have in there? Exactly. Than some I, meaty goodness I for think Chris. At the moment, they're still deciding on what <laughs> the sausage based product should be called within the stadium, and it does um, it does throw up kind of intriguing possibilities. I should have maybe signposted this a little bit earlier but apparently one of the names that was going around was um show what was it chris sausage roller amiobi or something like that i can't, I can't sausage roller amiobi they they they're yeah, deciding what that. to try You're and actually what an appropriate thing to do it's not a good name for a sausage it's not but there is an internal competition essentially where they are they are also all putting their sausage based puns in to decide what it is going to be called well, they just need to listen back to old episodes of Pod on the Tyne, and I'm sure they'll come up with some good ideas. You're right. You're right. <laughs> so much meat. Anyway, Taylor, you had asked me what my reason to be fearful was, and I will come on to <laughs> oh. I will come on to discuss the, the forwards recruitment situation in a second because I understand that's most people's reason to be fearful. I think mine is expectation, and yeah. not so <sighs> much that it's not not that there there'll be people screaming into the. the listening to this now saying oh it's talking about oh we expect them to be in Champions League and things like that no it's not it's not the sort of I know the the, the national media cliche that the fans get annoyed about it's more the form that Newcastle showed in the first six months of 2022 was them really performing far above their own level what the form they showed before that was below and the reality of where they were somewhere in between I think they've strengthened defensively further they obviously haven't signed any attacking players yet and so for me, if they were to realistically be in around mid-table with no relegation, I know we get onto this later, but if that is that is for me where this sort of squad is and should be, and so if they start and and they don't necessarily win sort of three of the, the opening six games, I just hope there isn't too much panic about oh this squad isn't good enough and all that sort of stuff. It's still an evolution; the process is still ongoing, and so too much expectation too soon would be my concern. That I just think that we that it's going to take still a little bit of time for Newcastle to really kick on to the next level. Yeah, there's got to be a, an exercise in patience here, hasn't there? It's, it, and Chris, you're saying you don't want to see that. You know for a fact you will see that. It doesn't matter what happens. There, there, there will be people screaming into uh, into Twitter and into social media that Newcastle haven't done enough, the signings are not good enough, the squad's not good enough, everyone should be sacked, it's all gone to shit. And we've literally played 45 minutes against Nottingham Forest. That's that's exactly what's going to happen. We know for a fact it is. But you're right, you're right. It is it is a big thing and we, we, we do have... You know some big questions over that over that starting eleven, and like we've all said, the goals are are the thing, aren't they? And if Callum Wilson isn't playing, we may struggle for goals. What Chris? What is the situation with um with the uh, with the striker and the, the forward uh, transfers? What's going on there? Well, ideally, what Eddie Howe has been looking for is he wants a striker and he wants a, a winger, primarily to play on the right hand, uh, right side. But actually, what's happened over the course of the last couple of weeks is because Newcastle are struggling to get some of the targets in those positions, Howe and, and the club are looking at other potential areas where you could maybe strengthen a midfield, inject greater goals in the midfield, and then that might 
partly solve the problem. So that's where the Friday's £40 million bid for James Madison at Leicester City, which was rejected, came about. That's basically the mm. part of the 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 reason behind that. And whether Newcastle go in for Madison again remains to be seen. They also like Harvey Barnes, uh, his teammate there, who is more of a, of, of a winger. But Madison has two years left in his contract. Uh, it doesn't seem to be the happiest of camps at Leicester at the minute. And so Newcastle sort of see it as potentially an opportunity it did did take me by surprise a little bit when that one came out, but it, it did that bid was made and was rejected. Now Newcastle analysing what they're going to do next. In terms of other players, there's been a lot of links to Maxwell Corney at Burnley. He has been on the list along, albeit a bit further down, but I think because they've struggled to sign other wide players, that that interest is is something which Newcastle are now considering whether they formalise it, whether they do try and and and, and bring Corney in. He has had a release clause of seventy and a half million. There's some talk that that may have expired. But anyway, Newcastle would quite like to to pay an instalment and maybe willing to pay a little bit more. And then the other one still to keep an eye on. There's there's Jack Hartwell, another couple. Jack Harrison at Leeds. At the moment, Leeds' valuation is still higher than Newcastle won, but again, he has two years left in his contract and might be one to watch later in the window. And then Timo Werner, the Chelsea forward. Newcastle have registered interest in, in him and other players at Chelsea, other forward players, I understand, at Chelsea, as well as other top six clubs in terms of players who later in the in the, in the window they may be able to bring in on loan. So at the minute, how on Friday, after the Friday's match, sounded quite negative about the fact that Newcastle could sign someone before Forrest. After Saturday's game... His tone changed ever so slightly to suggest to, to basically say we are trying, so I'm not going to root it out completely. Intrigue. So it is something Newcastle are actively working on, but they have found frustration. That was the word that that Howe used with the market in general in terms of trying to strengthen up front. Great stuff. Right then, let's crack on. We got lots to get through. Next category. Let's start with you, Charlotte. The player to watch this season. Who are we choosing as our player to watch? Um, I've kind of got two. So. ASM, I'd be really interested to see how he develops and matures as a player. I, I feel like in pre-season, it hasn't, he hasn't been that sort of all singing, all dancing. I know he hasn't been given that opportunity as much. Love watching him generally. And then, um, and then Sven Botman, because, um, what I like about the way Eddie Howe seems to operate with new players is, as we saw with Gimaraish, is that he does, he doesn't just get, they do, you don't just get dropped in to save the day yet you work with the squad you get a few minutes here and there and then and then you get sort of um developed that way and then put into the starting 11 i'm really excited to see what he can do i think as chris mentioned at the top that um you know burn and share working really really well together so i'd be interested to see how botman can sort of get himself into that into that back line so i'm excited to sort of see how that plays out well, I mean, just on the on the Botman subject, very very pleased to see over the weekend that the chant of na 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 Botman did not take off within St James's Park. So Taylor, just to that was so tuneful. Just to give, they did sing it in the Mines game. The the fans who at the Mines game did sing it. Oh, about three three of them did. Anyway, yeah. Just wait till I get there. Just wait till I get there on Saturday with my little boy. We are we're going to be bellowing that at the top of our lungs. Okay. Well, for me, it is. I think it is Bruno. The player to watch this season is Bruno. The way that he um, came into the team last season and you know gripped gripped it and contributed in uh, in every possible sense. I think Newcastle have a proper superstar on their hands if he can play. You know, like that. If that carries on, if that sort of development carries on, um, and 
I suppose if we're going back to reasons to be fearful, it would be that his development is actually quicker than the rest of the team because I think the way he played towards the back end of last season was was extraordinary and Newcastle will struggle to keep pace with him. I yeah. think I mean, but that's a nice you know, I think that's a I think that's a lovely thing. He was so good. Now will teams be uh, be ready for him a little bit more this season, perhaps. Um but you know the great the great thing about him last season was that he had a bit of everything. He had that sort of fire in his belly. Um, he had you know the talent, the creative talent, but he had um, he had strength and he had that little bit of uh, metal too. So I'm just really looking forward to seeing um, how he takes to the Premier League with a preseason under his belt. Um, I just think he's he's just so exciting. Fabulous football! I can't wait to see him on the pitch again uh, at St James's Park. Some of the some of the things he did towards the back end of last season were just absolutely extraordinary. I haven't seen anything like it for years. I would probably agree with George on Bruno in the sense that it, there's been a couple of times in uh, towards the end of last season, uh, the Liverpool and Man City games. You showed that you were probably the the only games where he didn't have a significant influence on, and it's whether he can push on and take that to another level. Whether Newcastle, as, as George said, the rest of the side can come up to that level. And nobody expects Newcastle to be challenging Man City and Liverpool in terms of the league table, but in those matches, can they influence the, the match a little bit more? But actually, the, the player I'm going to go for is, is Elliot Anderson. Lovely stuff. I've been really impressed yeah. during pre-season. He went away to, to Bristol Rovers uh, in January. It wasn't the level that necessarily he wanted to be at or that Newcastle wanted him to be at, and he's re- it, it's actually done in the world of good. It, it, he's come back, he's developed... Physically, he's developed as a player. He he, just, he looks at home out on the pitch. He looks like he he knows what he wants to do. What he demands the ball off off, off the other player, and, he, and he's he's basically playing in number eight role, which I'm a little bit interested by. But it seems that Howe sees him in that position rather than a wide player. And at the moment, Howe says he's not going anywhere. That might change very late in the window if Newcastle make a couple of signings. But as things stand, I think there's a very good chance that Elliot Anderson, who doesn't need to be named in the 25 man squad, will be around this season. He is absolutely impressed, hasn't he? In in this preseason, he's really he's really gone after it. He's a very very confident young man, isn't he, Chris? And some of the the touches and some of the some of the play uh, over the weekend and in the preseason games was just was fantastic from him. It's great to see players coming through from the academy like that and making a break into the first team. Yeah, he fully believes in in his own ability. He basically said even before when he first came back in the summer, he he, he said, I, "I don't want to go on loan. I, I want to be. I believe I should be here. I want to be here. I'm going to try and prove myself." And he and he has taken that chance. He's really uh, caught. He has. I, obviously, I wrote about him a few weeks ago, and I said about how Eddie Howe was going to take a proper look at him in pre season, and and then then decide after a fortnight what was going to happen next. Well, after that fortnight, they've decided certainly for now he is going to stick around. And yeah, I think he's he's someone who. Academy players, we all love academy players coming through and, and hopefully doing well. So hopefully he can take that chance. Yeah, there's lots of other names on that list as well of players who could be potentially important for Newcastle in this season. Miguel Almiron could have an important role if that right forward position doesn't get uh, doesn't get filled by an incoming transfer. Uh, Callum Wilson as well, an awful lot resting on his uh, fragile shoulders this year. If he can stay in the team and score goals, it could be exactly what we need. Personally... The player I'm going to watch an awful lot of this season is Joel Linton. I can't wait to see what the next level of the Joel Renaissance is. Um, and I really want him to cement his place as an absolute world-class shithouse, which he seems to have uh, <laughs> done in pre-season already by charging 
about the place like an absolute lunatic. So I'm really excited to see what Joe Linton does uh, and if he's going to continue to play in that midfield role uh, as he did last season. It's uh, it's a big year for that lad, I think. Uh, right then, let's move on, chaps and chapesses. You can subscribe to The Athletic for just £1 a month for the first six months right now. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod and you get full access to all of our great writing and ad-free versions of The Athletic's podcasts. That's theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. Sign up now. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Right then, let's move on. Uh, next category is most important signing. And Charlotte, you're the guest, so we'll start with you. Uh, who's been the most important signing this year? This summer, I'm going to go with Botman. I think that's a really high caliber. I think that's setting a stage for sort of the, the kind of player that we want to be bringing in. Um, a young player, a really um, accomplished player already. Uh, as we start looking at really building out this squad to be the squad we have for the next four or five years, I think he's the sort of player we're we're really like looking at and 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 I think he he's been sort of I don't know, getting that over the line was really exciting. Um so he he's my signing of the summer. I think we've made some really shrewd moves. there's not one I would think, oh God, what have we done that for? Um but he he's the standout for me easily. Yeah, I think Botman too. I think he's another one of those sort of statement signings. They've put so much into him, not just um, not just this summer, but also back in January. They tried really hard. They consistently say that um, that he wanted to come to Newcastle. He's the right age. He's the kind of age that Newcastle want to develop from this point um, because they you know they want to get their average age of their squad down. They want their players to grow with them, to improve, and at some point, they have to, um, you know, they have to sell in order to kind of keep uh, to keep improving. That's part, very much part of the process, which people I, I don't think are kind of realizing. Um, but I think not that I'm trying to sell Sven Botman already, but <laughs> you, you know that 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 part of that part of the process of buying, improving. And then those players perhaps then bringing money in so that Newcastle can grow again. You look at what Man City have done this summer, um, pretty extraordinary with Haaland, um, but you know also bringing in an absolute shitload of money. That's part of what they need to do. And to do that, they need to be smart. So Botman carries, you know, is is 
one of those kind of quote unquote smart signings, and you, you know you have to hope that he, he works. He he looks like an absolute unit, by the way. Seeing him in that second game, he's massive. He's an athlete, um, isn't he? Yeah, he's 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 massive. So I'm really looking forward to to seeing him and how that uh, develops. I you know I don't want to wish Dan Burn out the team. They're both left footed. We'll have to see. Uh, see what happens against Forest. Chris has his own opinions on who might play in that game, but um, yeah, really looking forward to seeing how um, how he how he develops. I think he's a he's a statement. Um, Chris, a couple of other options: Nick Pope and goal. Maybe he's Matt Target a left back, or maybe even Dan Ashworth or Darren Eels for signing of the summer. Yeah, I was going to go for Dan Ashworth in terms of as, as an off-field signing. If we're going to if we're going to broaden the sort of definition of signing a little bit, and just someone who. It was a position we knew Newcastle needed to fill and someone who's going to help shape the longer-term vision for the club. I'm sure Sven Botman will play a huge role in the course of the next few years, but Dan Ashworth is the person who is going to going to really... He decides on the direction Newcastle go forward. He's, he's someone Eddie Howe needed in there, having been, as we've mentioned before, de facto director of football in January. And so, for me, I think it's Dan Ashworth and I think he will play a huge role going forward for Newcastle. Darren Eels is also an important appointment. Obviously, he should arrive in the next few weeks as uh, as CEO, but I, I think I'd I think I'd go for Ashworth just just beyond what a player can bring. He can influence so much at the club. That's cheating, I think. I think that's cheating. That is cheating a little bit, isn't it? That's okay though. We don't mind a bit of cheating. I tell you what, I'm really excited about Matt Target. I know that doesn't, you know, it's not a glamour signing, is it? It's not like a, it's not a, a big statement or anything. But the amount of graft that that lad put in at the end of last season, and the, the the performances, just how honest he is as a pro. He's a proper left back, and some of the things he did in games, uh, you know, the tackles he was putting in, and and the passes and the forward play as well, which really surprised me about him. He's got a lovely left foot on him. I was I was delighted when we signed Matt Target. I think left back's been a bit of a problem position for us over over the last few years, and Target coming in. I thought was 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 a really wise move, a really canny signing. I thought it was good uh, good business. I think Alan Sam Maximan probably agrees with you because he covers his backside so well. So. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say that I was chuffed to bits to see Paul Dummett play uh, the other night as well. He, you know, he did. Paul Dummett did what Paul Dummett does. He came comes yeah. in. It's immediately sort of oh yeah, seven out of ten. Paul Dummett, I'll, you know, I love that. And he, um, you know, he obviously has not played enough. Um, over the last couple of years, but um, great to see him there, and hopefully there's a bit of kind of competition. You know, you need that. You need that across the pitch, and yeah. So hopefully those two will push each other. Absolutely. Okay, then let's uh, let's move on. Uh, which fixture are we most looking forward to, Charlotte? Let's start with you. Well, the opening day of the season is always class, isn't it? Of course. I'm using the word class a lot. I'm going to try and. What about I'm mint? Try, and... try mint. That's mint. Good. I do like mint. Yeah, that's always mint. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to see what the flags are going to do. It was really nice to have a sort of war flags light over the uh, friendlies. Um, not really light because there were so many of them, but you know these proper displays. I'm just so excited to see what they've got at their sleeves. They've they've already teased us on Twitter with we've got loads of amazing displays uh, planned this season. So I'm very very excited for that. And I guess my my um, first away games like it's it's Brighton which is obviously a million miles away from Newcastle which is a bit oh yes you're you're doing Brighton as well George um, can't wait for that I think just getting back into it but the first home game of the season for me is just going to be amazing just regarding Brighton uh, last week uh, Daryl a friend of the podcast who works on the train sent me a message saying you probably want to tell George that um that there's a that there's a train strike that weekend, which obviously is going to affect so many fans, and and ho- I hope everyone can get the game safely. But George then sent me a stream of messages, six messages 
it, this way for a minute. <laughs> First one started with, you are a swear word. Then the next one, and I mean that with great sincerity. I'm not going to Brighton for three effing days. <laughs> you are a total shit. I hate you. F off, Chris. That was, that was a stupid message. I think you've engineered you. this train strike just to extra make it worse. That's so funny. He's engineered oh, for me to God. go to Brighton three seasons in a row, Charlotte. I'm not, that is it's not a It's a lovely part of the world. I agree. I absolutely agree. Although not to watch Steve Bruce's Newcastle United. Is, I think is there's lots of stuff on um, oh, Twitter, by my. the way, for people who are listening, who are going and then worried about that, about coaches and things like that, going from London, going from elsewhere. So do, you know, if you are looking for things like that, tweet tweet me or tweet the trust and, and I'm sure someone can help. Yes, Charlotte is obviously a member of the trust as well, which is uh, which is important. So yes, do, I mean, stuff. yeah, in all seriousness, do that. In all, not in all seriousness, I am looking forward to moving to Brighton, <laughs> which I'm going to have to do um, for a little while next week. Oh, Shall yes. I talk about my the game that I'm most looking forward to? Yes, please do. Well, it's not fucking Brighton, so um, I am quite looking forward to Brighton actually because it is the first away game of the season, and um, so yeah, it could be worse if this was like mid of. November, December, or something. I'm, perhaps I'd, I'd feel slightly different. I'm so worried that I'm building up Forest too much. That is my problem. I can give you a little. I've done this joke before. I can give. Um, I don't want to give stuff away too much, but I'm told that War Flags are just doing um, um, Arthur Scargill's massive face to go in the um, to, to go in the Gallagher end. That's not a joke that anybody under forty will get, but that's fine. I, I, I get it and it. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, Arthur Scargill's massive face all over the Gallagher. That would be absolutely yeah, brilliant. That's fine. They could put Mick Smith and the Leeds. Yeah, well. that would be good. That would be good too. Yeah, just looking ahead to Brighton. Um, yeah, I've, 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 Mick, Mick Smith has been absolutely brilliant, hasn't he? Oh, now, but now I've got to get to Brighton. Oh, <laughs> Suddenly, I don't like strikes anymore. No. Yeah. Um, I'm just. I've just built up Forest so much in my own head. I cannot wait. I mean, I think it'll just be. I think Forest, you know, Forest will be so up for it, um, and obviously Newcastle will. I've still got that Arsenal feeling, you know. So when I now think about St James's, I'm thinking about that Arsenal game. Everybody, so you know, being at St James's over the weekend, uh, talking to to people who work there, um, everybody just refers back to Arsenal as that occasion that they know St James's can be, that they know Newcastle can be. The way the team played, the team played brilliantly, um, and I just want more of that. It's like inject that into my brain, uh, into my brain, into your what? brain. Inject that into my vein, <laughs> into my veins. Um, inject something into your brain. Inject, please. yeah, please inject, <laughs> inject something. Yeah, so I hope I'm not sort of building up to forest too much, but I just can't wait to be there for for there to be jeopardy again, to have that sense of atmosphere and occasion, and just to be part of it. I'm just so excited. Chris, there's some uh, there's some great away days and there's some fantastic uh, home fixtures as well in the in the early part of the season. Um, but one of the ones I'm looking forward to the most actually is Leicester City away on Boxing Day. I've done Leicester a couple of times and it's an absolutely brilliant day out. Uh, and, and we always seem to do pretty well down there as well, which is which is weird. But uh, did we do uh, well there this last season? I can't remember. I did don't we? feel like we did. No, we what did was terribly. It? Did we get hammered? W- was it not like five one or something? Four 0 Four 0 yeah. Ah, well, it doesn't matter. Everything was fine after. We'll that. skim over that. Did one. you not? Did you not make me go to that as well, Chris? Did you? Yes. I've just got vivid memories of the game when you know the the, the, the clip you always see on social media of the tackles flying in, the, all the different sliding tackles going in from every player. Was that was like, a four four two win. Yeah. yeah, that was that was a great day. Aren't that? Uh, yeah, Chris, which which fixture are you looking forward to the most? 
Yeah, that Leicester one I'd agree with because, as we all know, I hate international football, and I'm particularly angry that there's a World Cup in the middle of the in the middle of the season. So after having not had Premier League football World for Cup. six weeks and having to write about Newcastle at a training camp and all that sort of stuff, I'll just be happy to see that sort of football return. I mean, I agree with Forrest as well for this weekend. I've been to, to see a lot of the friendlies, and obviously that's great in one sense, but also, as I said, I had very much friendly fatigue by the second half of the, of the second of the back-to-back games on Saturday, and I would just like to see competitive football, a game that means something again at St. James's Park and the reminders of the, of the feeling last season. It was a nice taste at the water, but I'm certainly ready for competitive football to return. Absolutely. Right, then let's move on. Who would we most like to finish above, either as a barometer for quality or just as a general two fingers up, fuck you, we're better than you kind of thing? Uh, Charlotte, let's start with you. I would most like to finish above all the other teams in the Premier League. So that's that's, (laughs) for me. That's pretty fair. That's that. Can't really argue with that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Is there only one team in particular that you'd like to see us get get one over on? I'll always go Everton. I hate them. I hate going there. I hate the. It's always terrible. I hate them. I hate fans. I hope they go down this season. Actually, so. (laughs) So no strong feelings either way, then Charlotte. No. How about you, George? No, I can't say Everton because I love Goodison Park and I had one of my um, favourite favourite moments there with the 2-2, um, which I wrote about being in the away end. You were there, Charlotte, that, uh, so was Chris. Um, and we had a glass of wine after that, and it was just one of the great, one of the great, uh, one of the great nights. So, and I love, yeah, I love that old place. So, um, I can understand, you know, I, I, I understand those reasons, but no, Goodison is just one of the great, one of the great arenas. I don't. Yeah, I was going to say something similar to you, Charlotte, and you've kind of stolen my thunder by being a smart ass because I was just going to say ten teams. I would like Newcastle to, <laughs> if Newcastle finish ninth. I'm just delighted. I don't really. I'm not kind of bothered about. All the rest of it, um, you know, people might say Villa for for obvious historical reasons. Yeah, that's a very good one. Still haven't forgiven them. No, um, I know it's petty. But yeah, and we 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 care. talked about Leicester in the previous answer, and you know they've been such a barometer for over recent seasons. In I mean, yes, they won the title. That's a once in a generation, once in a lifetime kind of thing. But they've also won the cup. They've got an incredible training ground. They've done up their their stadium. They've been brilliant in terms of um, acquisitions, in terms of rec- recruitment. They haven't signed anybody so far this season because they need a bit of money. But in terms of you know, in terms of progress, I do think Newcastle have to be a Leicester before they can be anything else. So level pegging with them or, or or finishing above them would be a bit of a statement, I think, because I do think they're the team that Newcastle have to you know they have to try and replicate what they've done first and foremost. I think. I think I would go for Villa, but not for the historical reasons of others. I think yeah. in terms of Fuck Newcastle, <laughs> Newcastle finished ahead of them last season anyway, and Gerard went in there and to begin with they started off very well, yeah. and then they tailed off a bit. Obviously, Newcastle signed Matt Target from Villa, who deemed he wasn't good enough for what they wanted going forward. And also Villa have made a lot of signings this summer, some of whom for, for a lot of money won who Newcastle wanted in January and Diego Carlos and then decided that, that they were going to go for someone uh, younger this summer in Sven Botman. And so I, I just think for Newcastle to maintain their levels above Villa, if they were to finish above Villa, then I think it probably will be a top half finish and that they will have done well. So that that's the team I would set in terms of, of that sort of barometer. Yeah, I mean, I know we are, you know, you guys are journalists, you're supposed to have some kind of... Uh, 
unbiased opinion on these things, but I will side with Charlotte and say, screw Everton and fuck Villa. I, I would love to finish above both of those. <laughs> that's fair enough. I think we will, for what it's worth. Do you think? Do you think yeah, we will? I do. I think we've got a good chance. I think we've got a really good chance. Right then, let's move on. We'll be back in just a second after this. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Next category is the the next player in the squad to be howled. I don't like that term, no, I don't George. Like I don't like I it. I don't like it. It doesn't work. It's stupid, isn't it? Don't know who's agreed to that. Well, it's Chris's Chris's idea. I think Pardew'd worked or Bruce sort of worked. I don't like howled. I don't think it works. I don't think that works as a concept. Mm. What was a word? Or I've was gone it... for howification. The howification of a player. Yeah, halfication is mm, yeah, I can it's very that. sort of, that's quite a lot, that's a bit of a mouthful, but I think that does, yeah, that works better. But he's also kind of very technical and he's very detailed, so I think that sort of halfication, yeah, I think that works. Yeah, I like that. It's a compromise. Let's go with that. Who will be the next person to undergo howification? Uh, the opposite of Pardude or Bruce, following on from Joe Linton, Emil Kraft, Ryan Fraser, et al. Uh, Charlotte, who do we think the next player in line for howification is? Well, when we talked about this before we did this podcast, I was thinking like it's probably going to be Almiron or something like that. But I feel like that's already underway. Like that's mm. having watched the friendlies. Uh, no, you, Chris is shaking his head. Chris is not. He's not happy. Chris has got a very complicated relationship with Miguel Almiron as his. I just his think piece I think he's. Stated. I think Almiron has loads of potential here. I think he's starting to realise it, and he's looking more confident. And I think the howification that. There are different elements. There's the athleticism, there's the sort of technical skill, and there's the confidence and sort of psychological um, shift that happens in players um, that presents itself differently. Like, as you say, Taylor, with with Joe Linton, that just turns him into a massive shithouse. Um, (laughs) But like with others, it's just like a quiet confidence in their game. Like, I know what I'm doing. And with... um, with Almiron, I feel like um, he looks like he's enjoying himself again. He always kind of has that sort of default smiley face, but it's just a bit like, it's a bit brighter. It's a bit like, I'm having fun and this is, this is you know, I, I'm going to be good this season. Um, and people were talking about him moving on um, at the end of last season. That doesn't look like it's happening. So, um, yeah, I'd like to see that sort of keep developing. Yeah, I think Miguel Almiron's a great show, actually. Chris, you're shaking your head in disbelief at uh, the idea of Miguel Almiron being... No, 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 no. I, I was... I, that, uh, yeah, that he's already in the process of it. Yes, I think he is at the very early stages, but I, I'm i still not convinced by what I've seen in pre-season from him. I know he scored those goals, but there's also times where he remains so frustrating in terms of what he does. I still don't think is it in terms of his thought process and his decisions he makes and the time he actually takes to move the ball on. I don't think he's there yet. I hope he proves no, me wrong Chris, and I hope he goes is, and scores against Forest next weekend and becomes a player of the season. Chris, but, but, Chris, 
Chris, everyone said he needs to add goals and assists to his game, and he's done that in pre-season. Like, what else can the lad do? Do it in a fixture that means something. I want him to. Uh, if he does it in the next three, if he does, if he scores six goals in the first five games of the season, then I'll say brilliant. Yes, he has changed. Well, he hasn't, no, had, he hasn't the had the chance yet. yet has he? But he, he hasn't had the chance to do But I also do don't it. think he's at that level yet to have, to have done it. He's done it in pre-season. That's great in one sense. Chris had to name his 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 team for the first eleven for the first game of the season. He forgot Miguel Almiron <laughs> existed, in spite of the fact that he scored about ninety million goals during pre-season he got called a twat on Twitter quite rightly by the way not that I believe in um, you know trolling and stuff like that but um, and so Chris is un- just, he's, he's, he's such a stubborn man he's, un- he's incapable of saying he made a mistake um, I hope it's Almiron I really do because um, that pace that he's got we all know we all know about it but it is you know that's his difference but it has to be it has to be channeled it has to be channeled the right way and I do think that I'm not trying to kind of rewrite history yeah. here but I think he's really suffered over the last couple of years I think he needs direction I think he needs coaching to the level of being told where to be when what to do um, he's not young anymore so whether he can adapt his game um, whether he can sort of be taught to look up a bit, you know, will be very interesting because I think that's his big, uh, his big weakness that we know that he can run at opposition players. It's what happens at the end of that um, that's been the problem. But scoring all these goals in pre-season, I think, has been really, really encouraging. It would be terrible if he was then left out after after the end of that. I think for his own confidence. So I hope he's in the team. And yeah, I mean, uh, Almiron. Um, you know, Charlotte mentioned his smile and all that, but it is one of the beautiful sights of you know the Newcastle team when he's um, in form and full of confidence and happy. And he, you know, it is the position; it is one of the positions that Newcastle are trying to strengthen right now. So, you know, God knows what will happen. But one of the great stories of the last six months is how the people at the club, uh, already at the club, have risen with the new arrivals. So I hope it's his turn. Because um, in full flight, he is he is quite the sight. Well, that shouts for a, for a potential player to be howled or for the howification of a potential player. Sean Longstaff uh, seems to be getting a few minutes under under Eddie Howe. Chris Wood as well. It would be nice to see Eddie Howe work his magic on Chris Wood, wouldn't it, Chris? It would be it would be great if he could add goals to his game and and everything else he does. But do we do we see that being a possibility, or do we think we've we've got what we've got with Chris Wood now? I think the problem with Wood is unless Callum Wilson does get injured, then I don't think he's going to play regularly enough to be able to to really ha- undergo that. And he, he's he's someone at his age as well. I just I'm not necessarily sure he, he provides something important when he plays, but goals I'm not necessarily sure. And Sean Longstaff would have been my pick for it because when he actually signed the new contract at the end of last season, I was very much of the opinion at that stage is this is Newcastle keeping him around for a year, try and get a little bit out of him and then sell him on because he'll have two years left in his contract. I actually am getting different sort of soundings now. I think that the way he's come back for pre-season, how fit he is, the way that he's sort of leading the, the, the press from midfield, what he's able to do, I'm fascinated to see if he can actually translate that into producing in the Premier League game. We've seen the top levels he had when he first came at the team, then got injured and and, and we know that the, the sort of demise of the last few years. And so I think it could be it could be Sean Longstaff. I th- I think um I think having wood gives us a better longstaff. I hate that so much. He sat there that you could I could see him on the camera taking he, the listeners the can't concert. see the happy little smirk. Oh, the pleased little smirk he's got with himself. The cogs No I give, I've given up smirking. Oh, come on, Charlotte. I quoted Charlotte. She did a she did a wood joke. <laughs> 
I did. A, I can't remember what that piece was about, but you did a you did a wood joke in January. Yeah, and I left it in January where it belongs. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and that is you told. Sorry, thank you for inviting me. Uh, <laughs> let's quickly move on, please. Uh, War flags, post-win team photos, Fraser and Byrne walking out next to each other. Uh, what will be Newcastle United's next great match day ritual that we would like to see? Charlotte, let's go to you first for this one. Um, definitely winning every game. I'd love that to be a match day ritual that we start to um, embark on. Um, yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> I just, yeah. I like the... Um, I like the celebrate. Well, it, it is. It does tie into winning games, but I like the celebration stuff. I like the the laps of the pitch. I like the um, photographs. I'd like to see that kind of um, that kind of. Uh, what do I want? What's the word? Like expand on that somehow. I'm not entirely sure how it's done. Like, videos or so, yeah, yeah, some developed. kind of like yeah. like I just love the content when we win or even when we draw. And if it's a good draw, I just love how happy and excited the players are and how like buzzing the the team are um around the players so um you know just I, I want to imbibe as much content as i can after that so so stuff like that for me george the uh, the war flags displays were obviously a highlight last year are they, are they going to be able to surpass it this year do you think they may, maybe they've made a rod for their own back with these displays being so good how can they possibly top it the astonishing thing is when you when you talk to people inside the club, they all reference war flags, and they all you know from players to to people all around the team, they talk about how they've um, improved the atmosphere, and they really have. I mean, I, you know, we mustn't mustn't take it for granted. They do such a such an incredible job. One thing that I thought was becoming a little bit of a uh, sort of new tradition over the weekend was people running with those flags. Now there is a Leeser's end flag runner when Newcastle score a goal and I sort of don't mind yes. that but then suddenly you had kids all around uh, the pitch doing the same thing just randomly sort of doing it with the flags there was a, a fella in a mobility scooter going up the length uh, the length of the east stand and it's like okay please I don't want this I don't want that to be a thing I think that's enough enough with that now I don't think that will be a thing I think that's a friendlies thing where the like atmosphere wasn't like completely buzzing the stakes are lower yeah and the kids it was mostly kids yeah and I saw like these kids that can't have been older than eight with like yeah. cradling bottles of Fanta and Coke and stuff so right. they needed to get that out of their system <laughs> yeah fair enough they... six fair weeks enough. holidays so I don't want that you know, to be they're all up a height I'm, so, I'm <laughs> okay with the Lisa's I'm okay with the Lisa's end flag runner but I don't want that to become a thing because that's sort of brought out my inner grumpiness but I do have I do have something that what I want go on Taylor you, you want to interrupt me I was going to say George just just to be just to be completely sure here are you advocating stewards tackling children the second they get off their seats 100% yes 100% yes absolutely 100%, yes, absolutely, 100%. Them sit down and shut up but also I really like how this question is what traditions would you like to see happen or what would you like like what what what, what would and George yeah. is like I'll tell you what I don't want to see no but that's yeah. because you you mentioned the flags I know but you mentioned the flags so what I do oh, want to see great. so we've just seen we've just seen um like the opening ceremony to the Commonwealth Games and it's like you know that's like the best it's supposed to sort of represent the best of Birmingham or you know Midlands or whatever and so I would like that before every game to just to whip up the atmosphere a bit more so what I kind of want I want I want the Geordie dancer to carry 
a Greg's pasty on a sort of velvet, red velvet cushion to the centre circle, whilst clients of the Black Garter sway um, sort of drunkenly to one side. And I, I sort of think, you know, that's the kind of thing that we need just to build up the atmosphere, just that, to show what we are really about, which is about eating um, food that's really, really bad for you and getting fucking mortal in the pub. <laughs> That's what I. That's what I want. Is the ceremonial pasty gigantic or is it normal size? Yeah, I haven't. Because I feel like it needs to be bigger. Yeah, or possibly maybe the mascot should be a huge pasty. Chris's ears pricked up there when somebody mentioned massive pasty. Yeah, he's looking really. Chris is looking really excited <laughs> just right started now. Started salivating. Um, yeah, but obviously, obviously, if it was if it was sort of gigantic size, it couldn't be carried on a ceremonial sort of cushion. You just get a bigger cushion. Yeah, you have to get a bigger cushion, but could the Geordie dancer carry it? I, yeah, I mean, I feel this idea needs to be fleshed out, but I don't think this is the place. No, but to it's do not that, a bad. It? It's not a bad really? shout. We've got we've got our creative juices flowing here, and I think you know, I think we're, we're yeah. on to something. Creative juices, literally. Flowing. Yeah. God, what do you want to pass it? Absolutely. I'm personally, Chris. I would love to see the uh, the Dan Byrne Ryan Fraser uh, relationship. Uh, developed. I'd like to see where they can go with yeah, that. Maybe Ryan like Fraser on Dan Byrne's yeah. shoulders. Uh, maybe holding his hand like a mascot. I think would be quite nice. Maybe Dan Byrne wheeling Ryan Fraser out in a wheelbarrow. I don't know if that, that's potential, but it would be nice to see that. Maybe if we get some sort of garden supply sponsor, we could put him on like one of those little <laughs> bikes, you know, that the, the parent pulls along. I, my tradition <laughs> has a little handle. Yeah, or maybe it's those harnesses that toddlers wear. <laughs> <laughs> I'll walk on, walk on with him in a baby Bjorn, just oh attached to his front. Put him in a papoose. Amazing. Put him in a papoose. I can't wait to hear what Chris's idea is just to really kill this comedy vibe. Yes, well, fair enough. But <laughs> my, mine would be, from the team photos, what everyone has enjoyed is that if you just place one after the other is you see Jason Tyndall's face and his smile, and I would like him to position himself somewhere around St. James's Park during match day with that smile and a Where's Wally-style competition after the match to try and find out where Jason Tyndall and his smile is. That's what I, I would like to see. I love that. That's so fun. They could put it in the programme. Yeah, exactly. Jason yeah, Tyndall's got a smile you could see from space, hasn't he? So, you know, it won't be that, that difficult. Amazing. Chris has ruined it. I love it. that idea. Chris has ruined it. <laughs> Don't be daft. That was a good idea. Just, just, just going back to the uh, the Greggs. Did anyone see the mega Greggs, which they've opened in Leicester Square in London? Yes. Yeah, I was furious that it's in London. I'm furious that it's opened there, not here. I think I'll maybe get corrected if I'm wrong. I don't think Greggs do their meat pies down south. There is a border yeah, for got... some of their products. Yeah, like they don't yeah. do, like they a... don't do. They don't do Stotties elsewhere. They don't do Stotties elsewhere. I mean, I'm st- I'm still upset with them for for getting rid of the ham and peas pudding stotty. I think Jordy Guacamole. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I'm a big fan of Greg's, um, but I don't think I'm not sure if I'd want to go to the one in Leicester Square if they don't have the full the full range of products. You should phone ahead before you do then. Yeah. Yeah. See what just check got. in first. Yeah. Just make sure they've got everything. Don't forget, you can subscribe to The Athletic for just £1 a month for the first six months right now at theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. That's theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. A little bit more to get through. We'll be back in just a tick. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a... Mm, 
real POS. You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Right then, last couple of categories before we wrap up. Let's get the bad one out of the way, the negative one out of the way. Chris, actually, no, if we're doing negative, let's start with George. Uh, (laughs) What what does a bad season look like, George, for Newcastle United? Well, I I, I just don't want Newcastle to drop into the bottom three. And so, I mean, perhaps that's asking... Is that asking too much? I I don't know. I just don't, you know, I I don't want Newcastle to regress... So I have, I think I've, I think I'm very, very positive about about what's coming, um, because, you know, it just feels so different to what we've had before. So I think I'm very, very relaxed about what I want Newcastle to do or not do. So, but I don't want Newcastle to be in the bottom half. Uh, sorry, to be in the bottom three for any length of time. That for me, I don't want to have any sense of angst. Um, and um, you know, I think I, I want my angst to be about Newcastle getting better, not about getting worse. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we'll come on to sort of talk about what the positive will look like, but I just don't want them to be in that, you know, I don't want them to be in the bottom three. And that to me would be a bad season. But honestly, it's just really not something that I'm thinking about. Yeah. Charlotte, how about you? I mean, a, a flirt with relegation wouldn't be wouldn't be ideal, would it? What would it, what would a bad season look like? No, any kind of any kind of even batting an eyelash at relegation from across the bar would be a bad season for me that is not where we finished last season that is not where we should be at all um don't want to be looking over our shoulder I think also bad season um bad season is is injuries early on we saw Trippier go out you know after only about three games with a broken foot and um I think if we lose a Trippier or we lose a Wilson um uh, even if we lose one of our midfielders, we've got a little bit more depth there, but we still still don't have loads and we're building these partnerships and disrupting that is it, it takes its toll on the team. So, if yes, John Joe Shelby's out. If we lose a wood, what does that mean for our long staff? Yeah, none of us are laughing. Stop it. Stop it now. <laughs> um, I'll finish my point. <laughs> uh... Yeah, just think. I think I think a bad season includes injuries, and uh, one thing that does hearten me about that kind of thing is that I do think that this ownership are um, able and ready to like course correct. I think after the Cambridge game, we saw them go out and and sign Chris Wood because we needed somebody in that kind of central 
attacking position. I think if if something like that happens and we're within the window, um, I think they will move quickly. But if we're not and we've got a run of games coming up, I think it could be quite tricky. Chris, it would be it would be lovely to get through to January and not be out of both of the cups, wouldn't it? Uh, I think that would be a thing for me. Uh, uh, if we went out of both the cups at the first hurdle, that would be a that would be a bad season. It should be something we're targeting this year. Yeah, and Eddie Howe himself actually said that. He said at the end of last season, he said it when we were in Austria with him. And so I think that, as I said, as I said previously, it's the first time I've heard a Newcastle manager say that over the course of the last 15 years. And I've believed him that he says they're going to target them. Yeah, and I think yeah. that they have to. And so if they don't, if they don't get to at least so yeah, the the further rounds. I'm not going to necessarily say exactly where because if you suddenly get Man City away in the in the next round, then that might just be unfortunate. Yeah, but as, I'd like to see them have a proper go at both cups. And and if if they don't, if it does just become focus on the league, I, I would find that to be a very disappointing season. Fair play. So on the flip side of that, what does a good season look like, Charlotte? Are we uh, are we thinking top ten? hundred percent. Hundred percent top ten. Hundred percent top ten. Top eight for me. That's a good season. If you look at the way we finished our form last season, that latter half of the last season, that is where we should be. Like, is that regular though? Is that is that is that Newcastle? Like Chris said before, we are we that good, or are we are we slightly? Uh... We are a new Newcastle. Like, I, I know that I said my fearful reason was having a game to play, but we, <laughs> yeah. we this is a new Newcastle. We have to get our heads around that. I think a top eight finish is a good season. You can't argue with that. I think a cup run as well. No, definitely. I'm putting that in there too. Okay, maybe we won't win one. But if we do that, like top top 10 and a cup, that's a fucking brilliant season to me. Be incredible. That'll be incredible. George? Yeah, well, just to sort of mirror what I said before is, you know, not worrying about relegation at all, not dropping into the bottom three, just having that sort of different attitude. Um, we know that the that the owners and, uh, you know, the, have, have this sort of incredible ferocious ambition for the club and where it's going to get to so I think there has to internally there will be pressure to get better and I think that's fine and I think that's good and obviously externally people will be looking at Newcastle expecting sort of miracles perhaps but what I just love at the moment is this feeling that's around the place this feeling of positivity this feeling that you know whatever the whatever the sort of bumps on the road in the short term that Newcastle are going to get better you know, so in twelve months' time, Newcastle will be a better proposition that they are now. I just love that feeling. At some point, that won't be enough. If this, you know, if this to, to this version of Newcastle, at some point, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking about uh, Sir Bobby Robson, who, uh, you know, anniversary of his death, you know, was the other day, and it's like, you know, that season when Newcastle finished fifth under under Sir Bobby was seen as a failure. At some point, that might happen to this version of Newcastle. And I don't want that. You know, I'm I'm so desperate to kind of keep that in abeyance for as long as possible because I just love this feeling that there is around the club at the minute that that feeling of getting better. So I would top ten is is what I would want this season. I mean, eighth I think would just be astonishing. Um, yeah, that sense that going into the cups that it's not just being written off that it's not just going to be the worst day of the season. Um, you know, Cambridge happened this time and it was post takeover and it was a kind of strange it was a strange day i just don't want to have that feeling anymore about the fa cup i want i want that to be one of the biggest and best days of the season that feeling that newcastle are competing and yeah i just i mean it's 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 a slightly esoteric point but i just want to see newcastle get better 
I want that to carry on. And I think if we get to the end of the season um, the, and there's there's been sort of progress in those terms, I'd be really, really happy. And I, But I just want this feeling that's um, inside me at the moment to kind of carry on for as long as possible, this like lightness and this lack of gravity. It's, like, mm, it's, it's yeah. that sort of, you know, there's no pull in a negative way. I just want that to carry on for as long as possible. And I think that's something that we can all get behind. Okay, finally, before we uh, before we finish up, dreamland scenario. Uh, George, you told uh, Felipe Cardenas uh, last week how uh, you would celebrate a Newcastle trophy win. Uh, we know now that England can win, and how would it feel if Jamal Lascelles got his hands on some silverware? Yeah, I mean, I've, I told myself two decades ago that that would never happen in my lifetime and sort of life became life became a lot easier if slightly greyer not thinking about that anymore because um you know I've I've done this job for a long time now and it's the one thing you know I've seen Middlesbrough win a league cup but I've not seen I've not seen any of the northeast te- teams win anything um substantive apart from that and um you know having gone so close um under under Keegan and and Bobby it's sort of it's. I find it very difficult to, um, to sort of picture it. I sort of have it in the back of my mind. You know that sort of feeling about being at Wembley. I think for me, it's a cup. I mean, that's. I think that's the thing that I, that, that I want. Yeah. I think I want that showpiece occasion at Wembley. You can see this little bit of silver in the distance. You know it's yours, and um, that sort of anticipation. I mean, I. You know, I. I can't. I can't quite put myself there yet because. Um, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel real. But um, yeah, I mean, people would go missing in Newcastle, wouldn't they? I mean, I think you know we. I mean, I don't mean that to be flippant. I think people would just disappear, and we'd never hear from them ever again. But what a party it would be! What a party! Yeah, it would. Chris, how about you? What what would it feel like? What would it mean to see Newcastle lift a trophy? I don't have a sense of imagination, so I can't. I can't <laughs> Just many sausages, I think, for Chris. That's how it would feel like. Terrible indigestion. Can I just... Oh, I might open a second can of iron brew. That's what Chris is saying. On a, on, a, on a slightly different note, can I just pay testament to George's professionalism going to both friendlies, by the way? Because on Friday, oh, about 35 minutes into the game, George turned to me and he said... It, 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 the realisation dawned on him because I'd made a comment about Gasparini, the, the, the Atalanta coach, and they saying about how he, he just seemed it was very stereotypically Italian in terms of the way that he's going about. Yeah, exactly. His mannerisms <laughs> in, in, in terms of... And George, George sort of looked confused by this comment. And then a few minutes later, he went, oh, so it's Atalanta they're playing tonight. I thought it was Athletic Bilbao. <laughs> And then, and then in the second, in the second half, thirty-five minutes in the, into half, the game, when I, when Anderson had the shot for his left foot, which was tipped around the post, I turned to George and I said, "Oh, he's, he's been really oh, good, hasn't he, Anderson?" And George said, "George said, it was on the tip of my tongue that I wasn't. I, I, was, I was just about to say he hasn't really done anything." I said, "I was like, George, he won the penalty in the first half." And he said, he said "Did he? Is it, was that him?" And so this, this was George's, this was George's dedication to those two preseason friendly. They can see his interest peaked at those moments. Do you me. think he got there way too early? I did get there too early. The brain had just gone. In the second half of that first game as well, I was kind of just staring vacantly at the pitch. And I'd forgotten which way Newcastle were kicking, and it was like I was looking at, um, I was like looking at t- towards one of the goals, and I couldn't decide whether Newcastle were defending or attacking. And it was like I had like sort of two or three minutes of just absolute confusion. I would like to point out that I wasn't really there to report on the match, and perhaps if I was, then I might have paid a little bit more attention, Chris. Thanks you very would much. hope. 
I was there to do other things, but I did forget which way Newcastle were kicking, yeah, or and who they were playing. Thanks. Good lord, good lord. Uh, yeah, if we knew, if Newcastle won a trophy, Charlotte. I mean, let, let's finish off with you on this one. It it would just, it. I mean, I might, I might take off. I think I might enter the stratosphere. I think I would die. I think I'm, I might, I might achieve unpowered flight. <laughs> I just think I would die. I I would go out. I I can't. It would just be so special. I think it was you I spoke to, George, ages ago when, when we were talking about Can You Imagine It? And I said, in Philadelphia, they like oiled the lampposts and stuff because they were like, if we win the Super Bowl, everyone's going to try and climb the lampposts. So they had to grease try them and climb so that them, people yeah. would slide down. I feel like that's that's what it would ha- what would have to happen in, in Newcastle. Like you said, they'd have to grease the entire city. Yeah, and also put some sort of cover over the Tyne so that like people aren't celebratorily jumping in. <laughs> people didn't go swimming, um, yeah. Oh, it would just be so good. I, ju- I just would have to be out there in the city with everyone, like bar to bar, um, and like not necessarily getting drunk if that's not your thing but just the atmosphere soaking that up would just it it is it's once in a lifetime hopefully not once would in a lifetime hopefully many it? times in my lifetime but yeah the feel would just be incredible in the city i, I, I can't wait for that to happen i fully believe it will maybe not yeah. this season but it will with wood with long staff we'd all be out there wouldn't we um You have to shoehorn that in. Anyway, it's a shame <laughs> that I have to end it on that note, isn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> Such a shame. You, you've ruined this, George. You've ruined what should have been Thank a you. lovely afternoon, morning even. Disgraceful. Uh, anyway, let's wrap things up. Uh, Charlotte, thank you so much for joining us. It's been great having you on as it always is. Thank you. Uh, and I do apologise for the puerile, immature uh, humour that's been No, it's all right. Today. I knew what I was getting myself into. Honestly. I've listened to your podcast before. I, I knew what to expect. There's far fewer meat jokes than I thought there would be. When there were still loads. <laughs> I mean, there's still time. We have to do an advert uh, for yeah. Manscaped quite soon. So, um, I'll drop off for that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's probably for the best. Yeah. So, thanks very much. Um, we'll be back after that opening fixture of the Premier League season. Thank you so much, uh, George and Chris, for your time as well. And thank you, all of you out there, for listening. This has been Pod on the Time. Have a smashing week, and we shall see you on the other side. Goodbye. And then, you know, Wilson plays and they look like a completely sort of different different proposition. So I would like them to get in uh, that other player, one or one or two, to just give them that bit of... Uh, uh, that's a noise that's never going to finish. Uh, <laughs> what a noise that was. It's not like a dolphin. <laughs> The Athletic.